Hi, this is Dr. John Ankerberg. I invite you to dig into God's Word today with my dear friend, the late Dr. Wayne Barber, as he leads you verse by verse through the Bible. Look in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 39. Matthew 5 and verse 39. Now the man smote him on the cheek, didn't he? And Jesus protested. Now watch this. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Did you notice the first part of the verse? You resist not evil. It says, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, why did Jesus protest? The man struck him on the cheek. What was Jesus protesting? Now, here's something that's hard for us to learn and something we better learn. We have the right to protest when people come against the doctrine and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we protest. We don't have the right to protest when it has caused personal injury to ourselves. He didn't protest the slapping. He protested the fact that they were coming against who he was. He said, ask the people who follow me. They'll tell you the truth. And the time that we protest is not when somebody has injured us because, you see, that becomes anger without, with, without restraint. And we direct it at the person. And there's no way that God will honor that. But we come against the problem, and that is that people are going against the person of Christ and the teachings of Christ. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 11, again, I think we need to put that into the verse. Verse 5 says, Blessed are the meek. And verse 11 says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And friend, when you begin to get involved in the things that are grieving the Lord and you see His name stepped on and you see His doctrines torn apart, that's when you protest. It's not when you're personally injured by someone for you never want to misdirect your protest. Your anger must be under control. It's a virtue. It stands between two extremes. One of being excessively that way. One of being too passive. Knowing when to be anger and knowing where to direct the anger. There can absolutely be no malice at all. No malice whatsoever when you're angry. Now that's the key. How many of us can be angry without malice? <laughs> Would anybody like to stand up and give a testimony of all the times that you've proven out this verse? I dare say that there's no one who wants to stand. Most of the time what we do, we get angry and we sin. How do you sin? You misdirect your anger. You make your anger go to the person. Uh-uh. You're to attack the problem. The sin. The sin was what caused you to grieve. The sin is what causes you to sorrow. And when you protest, you're not coming against a person. You're coming against the problem that controls the situation. And so we've got to have anger that is under control. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 5 that we read a while ago, I really believe says it. When he said it, he turned and looked at them with anger and then he grieved. That's the word right there. That's the best way of putting it. For he had such a burden for it, but it angered him so much. And the two was a marvelous blend, absolutely in harmony with one another. You know, one of the people in the Bible that really amazes me, and we don't talk about him much, is the elder brother in the story of the prodigal son. You know, that rascal, oh, he stayed in the church, didn't he? Well, he was a good guy. Well, he was always out in the field doing everything the father wanted him to do. And what happened when that little old, old boy that had gone away came back home? The father ran out there and greeted him. You see, the father had a beautiful balance here. He was only angered at what was causing the kid to go. He wasn't angry at the child. And when the child turned around, he came back, he took him in. But that elder brother, that old Pharisee, that old arrogant rascal standing out there, he couldn't take it, you see. Why couldn't he take it? Because he had never been able to differentiate between the problem and the person. 
You see, we don't war against each other. And meekness is not anger directed at a person. It's anger directed at the problem. And the problem is sin, and that's what grieves us, and that's what angers us. And as long as we can keep it channeled in that way, then we can stand in the virtue of being meek. I wish we understood that. Satan can get into a church and split it wide open and have people fighting each other and don't even know where the problem started and originated and people don't even understand. Boy, 2 Corinthians says we war not with the weapons of the flesh. And Ephesians 6 says we war not against flesh and blood, but we war against that which controls flesh and blood, and that's sin. And we grieve over it and we are sorrowing over it. But not only that, we're meek and we get angry and we come against those things that are wrong. We had eight more men that came last Friday night for our all-night prayer meeting. And we're going to have it again this coming Friday night. I put a plug in for that. You know what we're doing? We're getting angry. And we're coming against the problems. We're not coming against people. No man, no person's names are brought up. We're coming against the problems. Because that's where the warfare is really fought in the valley of intercessory prayer. And if you get angry enough, God has a channel to put that anger. And when prayer is brought up in compassion and, and, and all these things are worked out of the nature of God that's in us, things start happening. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. Who are the meek? The ones indwelt by the nature of God. What's the nature of God? Absolute anger in balance. A God that wept over the city of Jerusalem, but the same God that took a whip and drove the money changers out of the temple. He knew when to be angry, and He knew in what direction to channel His anger. Oh, if we could learn that. It's not the person. It's the sin. And we are to be angry toward it. Well, the meaning of it, and I'm certainly not covering it like I'd like to cover it, but the meaning of it, it's not weakness, okay? Sometimes I've had the picture painted to me as a little old fellow sitting over in the corner, real sweet. No, sir, that's not what it says. It's anger under control, power under control. And the manner of it, look at Jesus. Just go back through his life. Yes, he said you could never come back against a person who inflicted you with personal injury. But, brother, you can protest when it ever comes up against the doctrines and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when we have a right to say something. And we need to say it. Well, the third thing that I want you to see is the mystery of the meek. <laughs> Don't you like my little terms? A mystery of the meek. Well, I think there's a mystery here. And I think the world doesn't understand it. And I wonder how many Christians do. It says, blessed are the meek. Now watch this. Watch this real close. For they shall inherit the earth. Now we're going to go down the road tonight. And I want you to stand and give testimony to what you think that means. No, I'm not going to do that. What do you think it means? Well, Wayne, I don't know. I'll know someday when I see Jesus. I had a guy tell me one day. He said, Wayne, why do we pay so much attention to the word anyway? It was written 200 years ago. <laughs> Where did he get the 200? I don't know. That's what he told me. He said, I don't know why in the world we're paying attention to the word. Well, he missed the, the 200 by about 1,800 years. <laughs> and then, I don't know what he was trying to say. But then I also heard another man say, I don't care what the Bible says or what the Greek says. He said, I, want, I, I believe the Bible. Whatever it says, I'm going to live by it. Well, there's a lot of strange people in the world. But the mystery of the meek, what does it mean to inherit the earth? I think it's important. Look what it says. He did not say conquer the earth. He did not say conquer. He said inherit. And there's a big difference in conquering and inheriting. And there's a lot of people who are out to conquer it. And folks, we will never set up God's standard of righteousness on this earth in our day and time. I'm sorry, but it's not going to happen. God has His own timetable. But in the meantime, He says we're not going to conquer because when you conquer something, it's always for selfish reasons, isn't it? And when you conquer something, you're never satisfied with that which you've conquered. You ask a person who's conquered the world and gained the riches of this life. Ask him what he has when he dies. 
Hey, what did the guy, what did he get out of life? Well, he got $20,000 or $20 million. And the son, and the guy says to him, says, well, no, that's what you got. What did he get? Well, a six-foot wooden box that we call a casket and got it put under the ground. I guess that's what he got. It wasn't worth it, was it? But you see, some people are out to conquer the world. That's what he said. He said, you shall inherit the earth. If you think about inheriting, you think of receiving, don't you? You know, the great saints of our day are not great doers. They were great receivers. Those people who had, who had, who had done in a sense of obedience, but those people who had inherited the riches of what God had for them. Well, we know that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17 says we are heirs of all that He is and all that He has. Well, how do we get it? We conquer it. No, we inherit it. And God deals it out as He wants to deal it out. What does He mean? Well, I don't believe He's talking about here about the tangible physical riches of this life, of this earth. A lot of folks think that. Now, that may be involved, but that's not really what He's talking about. Look in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19 and verse 20. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and dust or rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Now, if God tells us not to do it, why would He bless us with something He's told us not to do? Now, many times he, we, we have these things that are given to us. Hey, that's okay. God doesn't care what you have. God just cares what has you, okay? And whatever He decides to give you, that's fine. But you see, when you're speaking of the, of the meek people, you're speaking of people who are living now with the nature of God working in them and the kingdom of God being made manifest in their life. They're angry over sin. They're doing everything they know how to do in the power of God's Spirit to come against the things of this life. And for this reason, they can enjoy it more fully. They have the capacity to enjoy His goodness on this earth. You know, a lot of people have a lot of things, but they don't know how to enjoy them. They can't enjoy them. They don't have time to enjoy them. They've never seen the benefit of it. And just because you have something does not mean you can enjoy that. But God gives us the right and the privilege of enjoying that which He decides to give us. He doesn't promise much. And he doesn't promise little. He just simply promises that you'll be able to be satisfied with whatever He gives. Isn't that beautiful? You know, Paul said the same thing. He said, I've learned to be content in whatever state I find myself. Learn to be abased and learn to abound. <laughs> Don't you like to abound every now and then? Isn't it fun? Not too much fun to be abased a lot of times, is it? But Paul said, I can learn. I've learned to deal in both situations. You see, I've inherited the earth. And whatever I get is what God deals to me. And listen, would you rather have a million dollars or would you rather be adopted by the, the person who, who created the world? and owns it all. Friend, I'd rather have that any day of the week. And we inherit it, and God knows exactly when to give it and when not to give it. And when He gives it, He gives us full capacity to be able to be satisfied with it and be able to enjoy it. Let me ask you this. What do you have right now that God's given to you? And let me ask you this. Are you enjoying it? I mean in the sense of, of, of the Christian enjoyment that God's promising here. Are you satisfied? Can you go home at night and just sit down and, boy, just be at peace within yourself? There's a lot of Christians who can't. And I'll tell you what, they're still out to conquer something. Well, we don't have to conquer, we inherit. And when you inherit, oh goodness, isn't it? it's a gift. God just gives you the capacity to enjoy that which He's doled out. Because we're heirs. And whether it's a lot or whether it's a little, it doesn't matter. You don't go around comparing yourself to other people. I remember when I was in Colonial Heights, they, they gave my pastor a car every year. And Greg, I can really feel how you feel sometimes. And he made about $20,000 more than I did. I just couldn't stand him. He'd drive that new car in my driveway and I won't spit all over his car. I couldn't stand it. I couldn't. Really, I couldn't. They gave him his gas. And I said, man, if anybody needs the gasoline, I need it. 
and I'd stand up, boy, I'd get all bent out of shape. I still out to conquer. And every time I'd hear of a church coming up, I'd check out the salary because I wanted to go on up. And God said, well, you relax. The church is not your source. I'm your source. And whatever I give you, I'm going to give you absolute full capacity to enjoy it. How little it is or how much it is. Now that is a victory, friend. And there are very few people on this earth that can live that way. Because they're always wanting something. They're always trying to conquer something. And God promises, no, you'll inherit it. And you'll inherit it when the, in the time that He figures He can entrust you with it. And I've learned something. I know why God hadn't given me that much money. <laughs> he evidently can't trust me with it. I figured that out. Just some of y'all figured that out. <laughs> hey, Lord, I think I can be trusted for a week. No, <laughs> but you know, that's it. I believe God, He knows us. He, we're His children. And He knows when to dole it out and when not to. And friend, whatever He gives you, you can have full capacity to enjoy whatever that is. Don't get hung up on how much or how little. Look in Proverbs chapter 30 and kind of hold your place there. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 8 and verse 9. It says, Remove far from me vanity and lies. Now watch this, watch this. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. And watch. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Isn't that marvelous? He's not asking for poverty. He's not asking for riches. He's saying, Oh God, give me that which is convenient for me. That which you know that I can fully enjoy as I live this life. Because God, I grieve over sin. And God, I've angered about it. And I'm doing everything I know to do to live like you want me to live. Thank you that you allow me, in the meantime, to inherit the earth. To be a receiver of the capacity to enjoy that which you've given. Look in Mark chapter 10. I'm about through. Mark chapter 10. And I want you to know I have not touched this like I would like to. Mark chapter 10. I'm doing better tonight. I think I got them all written down and they're all right. Mark chapter 10, verse 29, verse 30. You see, as an heir, you always have the need before you are the supply, before you ever have the need. Watch this. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake. Remember those words? Beatitude, for my sake. And the Gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold. Now, in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. And in the world to come, eternal life. I wish I had time to go into those verses a little deeper. But I just want you to know that any sacrifice you are ever led to make for the cause of Christ, for his sake, in your grieving or in your meekness, God already knows how to bring about the fill up the vacuum that it leaves sometimes. He knows how to let you inherit the earth, receive the capacity to enjoy that which you're, what state that you're in. That's a beautiful promise. And you know, the character of a person has to do with what kind of inheritance he receives. And what is our character? We have the nature of God. Now what's God going to give us? You see? The things that would befit a child of God. You know, if a certain person doesn't like to fish, it wouldn't make much sense for us to give them a fishing pole, would it? 
And you see, a lot of people think that when you come to this, that God's automatically just going to knock you down with all kinds of material blessings. Well, now, wait a minute. If material blessings are certainly not that which the child of God is hungering after, why would God want to give it to him? Now, he does. He does. But I'm saying, why do we always think that when we think of his blessings? You know, I may give a guy $100, but I'll tell you what, God usually and has never failed to return it to me, but I'll tell you what, the joy that I got out of giving was worth not even ever getting it back. Did you know that? And if we would stop to think of that, then we would realize that we have inherited the earth. And you know what? While all the other people on this earth kind of conquer it and miserable, here we are out there grieving and they feel so sorry for us. And we're angered at sin and they make fun of us. And guess what? We're just having a ball enjoying this life. Because God has given us the capacity to enjoy that which we own or have. We can be content in any state that we're in. Isn't that a precious promise? Have you ever been made fun of? Have you ever been made fun of? Raise your hand. <laughs> Praise for, the, for Christ's sake, raise your hand. That's the kind I'm talking about. Well, isn't it fun to know that God says, I'm going to take care of you. And sometimes you feel a little foolish when you make some stands about things that are going on in, in, the, in the world, don't you, Phil? Makes you kind of feel kind of funny, doesn't it? But brother, God says you're going to inherit the earth. Because you got anger that's under control. I tell you what, these Beatitudes get me fired up, folks. I believe we'd have a revolution right here in this church. We'll just listen to what we're, we're hearing in the Word. Man, oh man, if we would get angry at the things we ought to get angry at. Half of us are mad at each other. <laughs> Hadn't got a thing to do with the problem. The meaning certainly isn't weakness. The manner to look at Jesus. He was angry, but yet he grieved. And we see finally the mystery. How in the world can you inherit the earth? God lets you receive the capacity to enjoy that which he's given. Doesn't promise much and doesn't promise little. Just a promise that you'll enjoy it. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you so much as you help me to realize the things that I have are because of you. But Lord, I'm just so thankful tonight that you've taught me that they don't own me. And, oh, God, that my enjoyment is in you first. And, Lord, because it's in you, you let me enjoy those things that I have. Lord, I just can never thank you enough for how you've made me. I believe I'm rich, Lord. I know I'm rich spiritually, but, Lord, you've given me more than I've ever had in my life. And, God, I pray right now that you'll never let these things that you've given unto me become a way of my forgetting where I got them. And, Father, I want to ask you right now, and Lord, I mean this in my heart. You know my heart. God, I pray that if they ever become a problem, that you'll take them away. Because, oh God, they're just not worth it. And Lord, I want to learn to grieve. Oh God, I want your nature and mine to be so one that, Lord, I do sorrow, but oh God, that I anger. And that I anger at the right things. And Lord, I thank you that I never do war against a person, but only that old sin that you've already conquered. Thank you, Father, for the marvelous, beautiful picture you give us of inheriting the earth. Lord, I just never understood that before. And I thank you, Father, for that marvelous capacity we have. You don't promise much. You don't promise little. But, Lord, you promise that we can be content and enjoy. Lord, thank you that the Christian life, even though we sorrow and grieve and are angered, Lord, thank you that it is the most rich life that we could have because of Jesus. 
And I praise you, God, for what you've said to hearts that I'm not even aware of. In Jesus' name. For additional resources, log on to jashow.org. That's jashow.org. 